Gospel according to Luke, the 17th chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Sisters and brothers, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. An elderly man in Phoenix calls his son in Minneapolis and says, I hate to ruin your day, son, but I'm calling to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing. Fifty-five years of misery is enough. Pop, what are you talking about, the son says. We can't stand the sight of each other, the old man says. We're sick of each other, and I'm sick of talking about it. So you call your sister in Sioux Falls and tell her. And the old man hangs up. Frantic, the son calls his sister, who explodes on the phone. Like heck, they're getting divorced. He shouts, I'll take care of this. And she calls Phoenix immediately, screams at her father, you are not getting divorced. I'm calling my brother back. We will both be there tomorrow, and we will take care of this. Until then, don't do a thing until we get there. Do you understand me? The old man says, yeah, okay. Then he hangs up the phone, turns to his wife and smiles and says, Okay, then they're both coming for Thanksgiving and buying their own plane tickets. <laughs> There's kind of an unwritten rule of thumb in preaching that if you're going to insist on opening a sermon with a corny joke, um, make sure at least it's a corny joke that relates to the point you're going to make, because then the theory would be, of course, that when you remember this corny joke, you'll remember the point that was clearly connected to it. Well, busted. Um, I just thought that was kind of funny, and uh, it was random, and it doesn't have anything to do with anything I'm going to say. So right now I would like to pause while you imagine Really, this beautiful, grammatically, theologically smooth transition. From that joke to what I want to say. Because when you remember the joke, you're going to remember this transition, right? Okay. This is what I want to say. Psalm 92, verse 1. It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Notice it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. See, here, here is what I've been thinking this week. Ever since that time when mom or dad or grandpa or grandma first said to us, what do you say? We've been, yes, we've been taught and taught correctly, no doubt, that thank you is something you're supposed to say. 
something you should say. And like I said, no doubt it is. But what I've been thinking this week is that thanks, thank you is something more than that as well. And I want to invite you to think about that by thinking about this. Psalm 92 verse 1 does not say it is a should thing to give thanks to the Lord. It says it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. And what exactly is good about Thanksgiving? Well, for starters, let me suggest that it is good for your soul. And that's actually true, I think, in a variety of ways, but surely one of those ways is the way in which gratitude is maybe the best preventive medicine there is, the best vaccination there is, the best spiritual therapy there is against a host of viruses and, and bacteria and toxins, maybe more than any ever these days, that are forever trying to get into your soul, and they are poison. Our second reading for today is from Philippians 4, where Paul writes, and by the way, if you think it's only possible to give thanks if, it, if every single thing in your life is great, it's good to realize that Paul wrote Philippians from a prison cell where he would remain until he was executed, quite probably for refusing to acknowledge Caesar, the leader of the state, as his Lord and God, rather than proclaiming Jesus Christ to be such. But from his cell, and with no blinders on, Paul absolutely knows the score. He nevertheless writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to everyone. Do not worry about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus with thanksgiving in everything, Paul says. Now notice, he does not say with, in thanksgiving for everything. What he says is thanksgiving in everything. Because why? Because in everything. Always and all the time, there are things, good things, to think about and to be thankful for. English theologian Matthew Henry in the 17th century was approached by a couple of thugs and he was robbed. And later that evening he wrote a prayer, I thank thee, O Lord. First, because I've never been robbed before. Second, because although they took my belongings, they did not take my life. Third, because though they took everything I had, it wasn't much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, and not I who did the robbing. Give thanks not for everything, but in everything, Paul says, because why? Because in everything, always and all the time, there are things, good things to think about and to be thankful for. David was born without an immune system, the result of which is that he had lived his entire life in a plastic bubble 
in order to prevent exposure to germs and bacteria and viruses that would kill him. At 12, he underwent a bone marrow transplant with the hope of correcting the deficiency. When asked what he would like to do, if it worked and he could be released from his protective bubble, he said, I want to walk barefoot on grass and I want to touch my mother's hand. How often have you ever given thanks for the fact that you have walked barefoot on grass and have touched loved one's hands? With thanksgiving, not in, not for, but in everything, Paul says, because in everything, always and all the time, there are things, good things to think about and be thankful for. And born of your thankfulness, Paul says, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard, will protect, will keep an eye on, will wrap itself around your hearts and your minds. And so he concludes, finally, brethren and sister, finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It's easy, and maybe even easier than ever, these particular days. I've caught myself doing it too often. I've been around other people who seem like they do it all the time. It's easy to do exactly not what Paul says. It's easy to think about and think pretty much only about everything that is not good, everything that's irritating, everything that ticks you off, everything unfair that's ever been unfaired upon you, everything wrong that's ever been done to you, everything hurtful that's ever been said to you, and to let it all just be this bile-flavored stew in your heart and mind and soul that you keep simmering and stirring and tasting and burping up and retasting, even though it tastes terrible. And then you wonder why you feel the way you feel. Well, maybe because you are what you eat. William Kent Kruger, a Minnesota author, has written a number of novels set in northern Minnesota, a uh, country that I know, and so I, I enjoy reading this series. Two of the characters are two of my favorites, um, Cork O'Connor and, and an old Anishinaabe holy man named Henry Malou. After some tragic things had happened, Court confided in Henry the struggles he was struggling in his soul with how to move forward. He was becoming, he felt, someone he didn't want to become. Henry replied, Corcoran O'Connor, in every human being there are two wolves constantly fighting. One is fear and the other is love. Which of the wolves wins? Cork said, and the wise old man replied, the one you feed, always the one you feed. Thanksgiving, Paul says, is more than feeding your stomach with turkey and dressing and mashed potatoes and gravy and green bean casserole and pie. Thanksgiving, Paul says, is feeding your soul with gratitude for the blessings that are yours, for the blessings which 
in everything are there and are yours for the thanking. In your life today and in some of your lives I know in painfully specific ways and in the news and newsmakers all around all of us in our lives in all kinds of ways these days there are things that are not good. And Paul is not asking anybody to live in denial about that. He's not saying that people in ways that it is possible and, and, and ways that they are able shouldn't do something that they can do about what is not good. But what he is saying is that you don't need to be defined by all of that. Because when ugliness and not goodness and evil define you, then they've won. So says Paul, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, whatever, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And the peace of God will be with you. Thanksgiving is good for your soul, Paul says, for it has the power to overpower the world's poisons seeking to pollute their way into your soul and to do so with the peace of God even for your soul. Speaking of the peace of God, my mom died this past June. been thinking about the fact that Psalms 91 doesn't just say it's good to give thanks, it says it's really good to give thanks to the Lord. Mommy. I've been missing my mom a little extra this week. And my dad, too, even though, gosh, it's nearly 36 years now since he's gone. I'm sure it has a lot to do with the fact that lots and lots and lots of Dykstra family memories were written on the stationery of Thanksgiving. Including memories of family gatherings at Grandpa and Grandma DeZeo's house. My mother was a DeZeo where we always had turkey and ham. I mean, because my grandfather hated turkey. My grandfather would have thought the deal at Hy-Vee, where if you buy a ham, you get a free turkey, was like effing sense, and it maybe is. But my daughter doesn't like ham. I digress. We always had turkey and ham at Thanksgiving, because Grandpa didn't like turkey, and Grandma DeSale would would, before the meal, have written out on these little tent things for all of the grandchildren a Bible verse of Thanksgiving. And then before we ate, we all sat down, and the first thing with the feast sitting in front of us was that the children, one at a time, would go around the table, and we would all read aloud, taking turns, our Thanksgiving Bible verses. And then the feast would begin. My brother, my older brother Bruce, uh, used to say that us Dykstra kids in our family of seven, uh, in a house with three small bedrooms and one small bathroom and, and a car that was always at least 10 years old, uh, never actually realized growing up how poor we were. And I think he was referring to the fact that mom and dad worked so hard to do for us what they did, but they kept hidden from us uh, that it was hard sometimes. 
I used to agree with my brother, and in, in some ways I, I, I surely still do, except that lately I've decided I don't, I don't completely agree with him, and I've told him this. Because while we didn't have a lot of stuff, and rarely ever any brand new stuff, do you know what occurred to me? The reason we didn't know how poor we were most of all is because we weren't. Surely life wasn't always easy, and I will ever admire and be grateful for how hard my parents worked to raise a family of seven, but we weren't poor. We had everything we actually needed. And we had family, extended family too, and we knew we were deeply loved in that family, and we had, because you were given this in my family, we had the faith. Everything we truly needed, plus love, plus faith. Why didn't we know we were poor when we were growing up? Because we weren't. We were some of the richest people on earth. It's a good thing, the psalmist says, to give thanks to God, the creator of all good things, the giver of all good things, the giver above all of the best things there are, which, of course, aren't things. Well, the best things there are are things like the peace of God, which passes all understanding, and which is a free gift for you and for within you, even when things around you sometimes aren't peaceful at all. And faith in God, which sees all the things around you that you can see, but too trusts the powerful promises of God, including the promise of the ever-presence of God, even when you can't see. And hope in God. Hope being faith with its eyes on the future. Trusting that the future, including you and your future, are finally in God's good hands. And the grace of God, which promises that God's good gifts are truly that, gifts. Not something you have to somehow earn by being good enough to merit them. And the mercy of God, which promises that all the way down to the deepest not good you've ever done or ever been, you are not only known, you are forgiven. And of course, above all, because it's the source of all, the love of God, which holds you in its arms not only in this life and when the world is not loving, but unto eternal life, where love for forever will be the final word there is. In the meantime, of course, there is this life, and you, and your neighbors, some of whom aren't able today to be grateful for the fact that they do have everything they truly need because they don't. Some lack food and clothing and shelter. Some lack faith and hope and love. All things in God's good world are indeed not all good. Ah, but God, 
is a good God. And God is a providing God. And God is a generous God. For among the things God has given the world and its genuine needs is Christ's church. In the grateful generosity of the church, in the grateful generosity of you and me, may God be worshipped and praised as God's love is made known to all. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.